It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing, and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. February 2023. I guess it's Valentine's Day. I know it's Valentine's Day because it wasn't that many Valentine's Days ago that we were horrified to find out that someone with a handful of the Second Amendment had slaughtered children at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida. And then last night the news broke that we would see another Valentine's Day massacre or at least the front end of it, hours before it, in East Lansing, Michigan. And there are other things to talk about for this Titanic Tuesday. But Jesus. Just yesterday on the program, we were talking about the fact that we can't have, you know, we can't even have a Super Bowl game without... Right-wingers and various pearl-clutchers hissing and moaning about the entertainment at the halftime. I don't know why they... I, I, I don't know why they can't just bring out zombie Benny Goodman and let him play some of that happening swing music. <sighs> but it's all part of it. It's, 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 and, you know, holidays, you know... Days that end in Y. We're at the midpoint of February, and there have already been more mass shootings than we have have 2023. I know, I know. I'm getting the program off to a terrible start. I should have been. I should have said something cute or adorable, or talked about the weather, or just about anything but this. Hi, I'm Robin, and I'm sick of gun violence in America. And I'm sick of the excuses for the gun violence in America. And the, 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 there's, there's that old uh, rubric of the stages of grief. 
and one phase of it is bargaining. And then finally, you know, you get down to acceptance. And I feel like that's where maybe I am. I think our pal Joy in Ann Arbor, not at all that far from East Lansing, is there. That moment when you realize the country's not going to get any better. I know that's dark and grim. And the outlier is the fact that Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and, and, and her colleagues in the democratically controlled Michigan legislature are going to propose legislation. It may pass. Heck, it may even uh, make it all the way to the Supreme Court where it's anybody's guess whether it will continue to exist because nothing is certain there anymore. But it is. It is the 14th day of February. Nominally a day for declarations of love and affection. And it shouldn't be a day for grieving and condolence. Yep. But here we are. Uh, stand by a second. I set my other device down somewhere and no, I have to have them all, so be right back. There, that was quick. Every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different, so um, thanks, by the way to our 14th day of the month subscribers. Um, that means thank you to Matt in San Francisco. And thank you to Ralphs. And thank you... Uh, hold on here. Uh, thank you to David up in Oregon. And thank you very kindly for the challenge of yesterday evening. we got a little ways to go on that yet. Um, we've got $90 to go on that challenge, and then that will bring us down to, let's see, um, 840. 840 to get caught up. So thank you for the challenge. Again, nine folks at ten, ten folks at nine, whatever. Um, four at twenty and one at ten. Oh dear, let's not get into that. But that'll finish the challenge off, and I really appreciate it. And we'll just see what happens. Um, this happens to me every time... We have a mass shooting. I, I spend all day long trying to pull, pull a program together. And then I realize that I'm going to wind up talking about another mass shooting in America. And I realize that I probably ran out of things to say 
about mass shootings in America 15 years ago in a program that's been on the air nearly 20. Joy in Ann Arbor said it better than me. She said it's horrible to wake up and the first image you see on TV is a crew scrubbing blood off a sidewalk in your state because guns are more important than human lives and always will be until the mountains fall into the sea. And if anyone has a better understanding, a, a, a clearer wisdom on this, please, for the love of God, share it. Because I have no patience for, that's just the price of freedom. No, it isn't. There are other countries on this planet that are free and do not have more mass shootings in 2023 than there are days on the calendar thus far. It tasks me. It's wearisome. It's, it is as though we are a country that is post-traumatic and gets more trauma dumped on top of it. Um, I, 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 know our, I don't know if our dear friend Nidia, who is actually you know, in behavioral health, I don't know if she's listening live or if, if, it's, uh, if she's pod, listening to the podcast these days, but Nidia, if you have any answers, would you please just message me and uh, because this issue is solvable. The only thing that keeps us from solving it is places like Talabana and Florida and Louisiana Stan and Arkansas Stan and Tennessee Stan and Kentucky Stan and yes, West Virginia Stan and Missouri Stan and Oklahoma Stan and Texas Stan and Talabandiana. It's another one of those moments where you want to look at the people who send these monstrosities to office to protect guns over people. And you just want to look at them real close and see if there's any kind of sign or, or, or telltale um, aspect to their appearance. Where you, 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 where you suddenly learn, ah, oh, that's, that's why it's okay for other people's kids to be blown away by a lawful gun owner. Ha, that, that explains it all. But you wouldn't find anything. They look just like you, just like me. They stand there and they pump their gas and they bitch about the price of gasoline. Some of them, goddamn Biden. And when they're hurt, they hurt. When they're happy, they smile and they laugh. 
Maybe the distinction is what makes them smile and laugh and what makes them hurt, because they would have a full-on hissy. They would, they would, they would cry their little, little Republican eyes out if, if we were to actually stop these godforsaken slaughters. We are an American abattoir. And I think what I was talking, what I meant when I said we're pre-traumatized is that on the one hand, we have to live our lives. We have to go out. We have to be in public. We have to go to places that should ordinarily be easy. But the people who vote for people like Donald Trump and other Republicans, well, they've made no place easy. In certain circumstances, there are places where one would be more likely to be injured by gunfire than somewhere else. But Walmart's not safe. Kroger's not safe. Um, generally, grocery stores aren't safe. Elementary schools aren't safe. Middle schools aren't safe. High schools aren't safe. Major state universities aren't safe. Massage spas aren't safe. Nail spas aren't safe. Bars aren't, aren't safe. Restaurants aren't safe. Everything, every place that I've just said is not safe, I say that with data to back it up. Because at some point in time, there's been a slaughter there. Virginia Tech, God, that was so long ago. We, heavens, I mean, it, by now the, the, the people who were students at Virginia Tech when that shooting went down, hell, they may be a year or two from filing for Social Security, it feels like. Pulse Nightclub, when was that? Club Q? God, that's so 2022. And I mean no disrespect. I say that with a broken heart. But it's the realization that no matter how badly we want relief from this slaughter, A handful of senators and a tiny majority of Republicans in the House will make sure that our children, our grandchildren, our friends, our neighbors will continue to bleed and die. Them and only them. They are the ones. That pro-life party that puts guns ahead of children, teenagers just beginning their college careers. It's infuriating. And when you get done being furious, you can get more furious because one of the most debilitating aspects of all of this is that it is attended by a sense of powerlessness. Um, 
not safe places. Lee in New York, don't forget, U.S. military bases in this country, no, they're not safe either. And uh, in other cheery news, Randy Radar and Baltimore Bob both wrote to me, East Palestine, Ohio, has been gassed with toxic burning vinyl chloride from a government-prescribed burn and phosgene? The curious part is that this was foretold in a recent movie that supposedly takes place in East Palestine, Ohio, so it's either manifestation or it's copycat crime. Reporters are being arrested, and Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg is similarly silent. Baltimore Bob said, good afternoon, Robin. Good afternoon, Bob. By now, you know about the train derailment at East Palestine, Ohio. It led to a toxic mushroom cloud plume contaminating the town and region. Residents kept hearing reassurances saying the air is safe. Uh, And Bob cites me to a Democracy Now! segment, noting, I didn't know American trains still use air brake systems first designed in 1868. (sighs) Oh, heavens. The, uh, The air is safe to breathe. That from the Republican governor and various Republican officials in Ohio. Of course, again, I'm so old that I can remember when uh, in the aftermath of September the 11th, 2001, the EPA administrator, one Christy Todd Whitman, took to the airwaves to say, it's oh, the air is perfectly fine to breathe in New York. It's fine. Only it wasn't. And lo, more than 20 years afterward, people are still paying with their lives for her mendacious willingness to torment the truth. We know a little bit about being contaminated here where I live. It was a decade or so ago probably that I coined the phrase, what you can't see can kill you. Because around mountaintop removal sites in southern West Virginia, southwest Virginia, and eastern Kentucky, and northeastern Tennessee, the ultrafine particulate matter that comes off of the blasts that blow the mountains into smithereens has a way of lingering, and, well, there's nothing in the human body that can stop it on the way in, so it just goes in and behaves like little pieces of jagged glass, which is exactly what it is when you look at it under a microscope. And over the course of a few years, a cell that gets exposed, well, it transmits the mutagenesis uh, from one cell to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, and the next thing you know, tumorogenic processes are taking place. Yeah, we know a little bit about air pollution here. Thanks, Randy. Thanks, Bob. The Washington Post had an article. They said, we've tracked every school shooting since Parkland at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School five years ago this day. The... um, the, the, the reporters John Woodrow Cox and Stephen Rich noted 
the number was staggering. In the aftermath of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School massacre on February 14th, 2018, my colleague Stephen Rich and I reported for the first time how many children in the United States had endured a shooting at a K-12 through school since 1999, and the tally was far higher than what we expected, more than 187,000. Five years later, wow, five years later and despite a pandemic that closed many campuses for nearly a year, the number has exploded, climbing past 338,000 young people. 338,000 American kids have lived the reality of an active shooter situation. Not a drill. This is not a drill. I repeat, this is not a drill. What what does that do to those 338,000 children that the Supreme Court of the United States, our most puissant, dread sovereign, Supreme Catholic Majesties, don't give a tinker's damn about? What does that do to the 338,000 kids that Republicans say uh, they were absolutely certain had to be born, but don't care if they're ground up into chutney by semi-automatic weapons fire, especially things like AR-15s. The two reporters, uh, Cox and Rich, have in the five years maintained a database tracking the total number of children exposed to gun violence at school. And they came away with one one key fact. Most school shootings are preventable. Most school shootings do not have to happen. They note that the database wouldn't exist if it wasn't for a school shooting that almost nobody remembers. Back when a 14-year-old boy in the boonies of South Carolina stand took a handgun from his daddy's uh, drawer, blew him away, then drove to Townville Elementary School and started shooting at a playground full of first graders. Before the gun jammed, he'd shot a student, two students, and a teacher. A little boy named Jacob Hall, the littlest kid in his class, who three days later shuffled off this mortal coil. Every school shooting Almost every school shooting is preventable. The problem is most of the things that would prevent the school shootings are anathema to the Republican Party. 
the line graph is horrifyingly interesting. In 2000, the number of kids who had experienced gun violence in their schools that year was a relatively modest, and how horrifying is this to say, but a relatively modest about 8,000 kids. By 2002, it's well, it's between 15,000 and 20,000, and it goes up and down a little bit like a mountain range until bang, 2017. And that year, that year, somewhere around 29,000 kids experienced gun violence in their school. It dipped during the pandemic, but God, when the kids went back to school, so did the people with the guns. And in 2022, the number of kids experiencing gun violence in their schools, 43,450. That's a small city in the United States. Of course, I guess it's easy to ignore this, easy to not do anything about this. Because the kids are diffused. And any time you have a diffuse problem, it's easier for some gutless Republican politician to argue doing nothing than to do something. Well, I mean, somebody's going to get Somebody, You know, it's America. That's the price we pay for freedom. Somebody somewhere is just going to get shot once in a while. That's how it is. That's why we got a Second Amendment. Framers of this country, framers of the Constitution, they, know, they did not never uh, intend for nobody to not get shot. I mean, that's, that's just how it is. Everybody got a gun? Some people won't get shot. Because freedom, liberty, sit, liberty, sit, Woo! Sitting there humping away on their guns. This is our uniquely American horror. And in terms of a statistical breakdown, this article points out that um, there are several different kinds of school shootings. You've got the ones where you really don't know why it happened. You've got the accidental discharges. You know, the gun just went off. Oops, blam, pray. Indiscriminate school shootings. Public suicides. And then the single leading form of school shooting in the United States, targeted school shootings, where the shooter where the shooter knew damned good and well what he was going to do. The reporters at the post pointed out that they get Notes. They get emails. 
And these emails come from almost exclusively men, men of a certain age. Quoting from the article, who suggest that the drills children participate in now are no worse than what they experienced during the Cold War. One dude wrote, I remember school drills where we were taught how to survive a nuclear attack by the Soviet Union. Back then, everyone was stoic, and there was no social media to incite mass hysteria. Um, there wasn't any social media to speak of back when uh, Klebold and What's-His-Fuck shot up Columbine. But there you go. I mean, those 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 old dudes went to the duck and cover drills. I grew up in a tornadically agitated area of the country, and so in addition to nuclear nuclear blast drills, and in addition to fire drills. We also had tornado drills. And most of the kids in my school had experienced something close to, if not an actual tornado. And there was something to be said. I mean, it wasn't, but it wasn't traumatizing. It was just a natural meteorological phenomenon that happened in my, that part of the country. There is nothing natural about teaching kids how to hide from their fellow students or somebody that used to be a student or somebody who isn't that much older than them with an with a weapon of war coming to gun down unarmed victims And therein lies the difference. With an active shooter drill, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, tornadoes in northwest Alabama come along, generally speaking, at a certain time of the year. Climate change is expanding that window somewhat. But, uh, you know, generally, late February, March, April, along through there, as the seasons change. And I guess school shootings are kind of seasonal, too. No sense in going, up, going in and shooting up a school that doesn't have any children in it, after all. So I guess we're talking about late August to about the end of May. But there's no geographical rhyme or reason to this, like there is in, say, Tornado Alley. And I don't think I was permanently traumatized by having to worry about one of the godless tornadoes, as Les Nessman once noted. But our children are. 
Our grandchildren are. Great-grandchildren. Um, Stephen New York suggests hiding under a desk versus an active shooter drill. The simple distinction, as I see it, is this. Nuclear attack, a communist's weather, nature. Either way, we can't control either one of these. We can do something about guns in our country. Well, we could do something, Steve, if there weren't a whole bunch of senators who represent more cattle and hogs than they do human beings. Not to mention gun manufacturers. What about the jobs, jobs, jobs? There's jobs making it. Them AR-15s is American made. That's why there's American flag right on the box. Got a factory right down in Georgia. Or Tennessee, or where the fuck. At Lee in New York noting school shootings. It's the video games, Brooga Brooga Warble Woosh Narf. And, yeah, Lee, you caught that too, huh? I swear I would love... You know, just contact me on the download. Just say hi. Tell me who you are. Somebody. I'm convinced now. I'm absolutely, utterly, totally convinced. Somebody there on the production team at My Filthy Morning Habit is paying attention to the program. You know, we struggle to keep this thing afloat. Maybe, maybe just have Joe write a check, okay? I don't, I don't mind providing content, but, you know, have him write a check. And we'll keep on being in, out in front of the curve. Because he sounds, well, not entirely, but a little bit like, well, yours truly. As shootings in America, this does not happen in other industrialized this nations. Problem. This is an American phenomenon. It's not just about mental health. It's not about video games. It's not about any of the things that the apologists for the gun lobby says it is. This is about guns and the proliferation of guns, the continued proliferation of guns. And Gene Robinson about the fact that you can't, I mean, you, you, you can't even get the most basic of reforms put in place. You know, 90% of Americans, let me say it again, support universal background checks. Mm -hmm. But the people stopping that, They'd rather talk about the three trans athletes in Utah. He really are, is are, listening. They'd rather talk about the 0.003% of the population that's driving them crazy. They'd rather talk about gas stoves before they would rather talk about Dr. Seuss. They always find distractions. Instead of talking about the fact that we have mass shootings every day and our children can't go to school safely without worrying about being shot. Parents can't send their young babies to school without worrying about being shot. And this continues. And again, listen, there's just no way, no other way to put it. It's a Republican Party that's mm -hmm. allowing this to continue to happen in America. Let me say, as you look at those haunted faces, 
It is the Republican Party. It is the Republican Party that allows this gun culture to spread. We have yeah. mass shootings every single day. And all yeah. they say is there's nothing we can do about it. Now, NRA, give us more money. And there we have it. The National Ruble Association. Their rifle, sorry. Ah, we can't do anything about that. And somewhere in Washington, D.C., Wayne the Peter, or whoever's running the National Ruble Association right now, is sitting down to a lovely meal at a Tony restaurant in D.C. Maybe it's the Palm, I don't know. And uh, hoisting their glasses on another, another successful day, protecting the Second Amendment by ending the lives of American innocence. Jesus, God. Flavio tells me one Michigan State shooting survivor is also a Sandy Hook shooting survivor. This is beginning to remind me of the, of, of the First World War. You know, you, you might survive the Battle of the Marne and then get... Then maybe maybe you survive the Battle of the Ardennes. Then you get shot on the, you know, on November the 11th at 9:32 a.m. when the thing ended 11. I mean, I remember uh, Gertrude Stein and Hemingway and Sylvia Beach and I were all sitting around at Hemingway and Company. Or Shakespeare and Company there on the Rive Gauche in Paris. And Gertrude looked at Hemingway and said, I mean, I remember I was there. And said, you are all a lost generation. And she was talking about the generation that had just gone through. No, I wasn't there. I'm being facetious. Probably shouldn't, given the topicality. But that's the, that's the apocrypha that Gertrude Stein looked at Hemingway and said, you are all a lost generation. A generation that was thrown away in the trenches of France and Belgium. And they went on to live it, too. That's the first entrance of the term shell shock into the American psychological and psychiatric lexicon. By the Second World War, it would become battle fatigue. That term was the source of the slapping incident with George Patton in the European theater in the Second World War. A soldier who had just had enough and couldn't, couldn't do it again. Portrayed vividly, of course, in the movie with George C. Scott. And we have not begun to even learn what the manifestations of this lost generation will be. 
it's particularly galling to think about uh, all the maggots who barked and grunted and hooted and moaned and groaned and shrieked and keened about our children need to return to school during the pandemic. They're losing all their social skills. And to this day, you can find, you know, the, tucky, the testicle toasting Tucky O'Rose Carlson, uh, the Frau Ingrams and the Alex Joneses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, bemoaning the, the, the precious socialization skills lost by our little dumplings. You know, kids bounce back from just about everything except bullets. Back to what Flavio sent. Jackie Matthews, a 21-year-old Michigan State student, said the fact that this is the second mass shooting that I've now lived through is incomprehensible. Monday night, a gunman shot multiple people at Michigan State University in Lansing. It's an all-too-common occurrence in America, especially on school campuses. Still, I wasn't prepared to see a TikTok from Jackie Matthews an MSU student explaining that she also survived the massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School. The reporter is Caitlin Cruz at Jezebel. Matthews was was across the street from one of the shooting sites when she made her video at about 1 a.m. on Tuesday morning. I am 21 years old, and this is the second mass shooting that I have now lived through. Ten years and two months ago, I survived the Sandy Hook shooting. Matthews said their body will always carry what happened in Newtown. When I was crouched in the corner in school in Newtown, Connecticut on 12-14-2012, I was hunched in the corner with my classmates for so long that I actually got a PTSD fracture in my L4 and L5 in my right lower back. I now have a full-blown PTSD fracture that flares up any time I'm in a stressful situation or anything occurs that's aggressive like that. Matthews has joined a uniquely American generation of people who survived school shootings and still carry the after effects. The fact that this is the second mass shooting that I have now lived through is incomprehensible. We can no longer just provide love and prayers. It needs to be legislation. It needs to be action. And this, of course, because the goddess of irony can sometimes be the most cruel of goddesses. It was last week when members of Congress, maggots, swapped out their American flag pins for AR-15 lapel pins. Andrew Clyde of Georgia, who ran for his life on January 6th like the chicken shit he is, and then later said that the people casing the Capitol were just tourists. He owns a $25 million stake in a company that makes assault rifles. Shannon Watts of Moms Demand noted gun violence is the leading cause of death among children and teens in America. Reminder, the second leading cause of death is suicide. Which sometimes is also a matter of gun violence. 
And while we're at it, also on campus at Michigan State, a survivor of the shooting at Oxford High School in Oxford, Michigan. You remember that one. That's the one where mommy and daddy were so fucked up that they let their, and, and I don't mean on drugs, maybe that too, but no, it's so just generally, morally, ethically bankrupt and hollowed out and dead inside that they really didn't care if their kid took a gun to school and started wasting students. Well, on the Michigan State campus last night was someone who survived that shooting too. Only to wind up in the Ardan, I mean Michigan State. Again, dodging bullets. Every time one of these happens, Annette and I have a conversation. And it usually, I don't start them. Annette will look at me and say, you know, this feels a lot like a war. And I'll say something like, yeah, only one where only one side has is armed and, and, and can defend themselves. And right there, there's the trap. Well, everybody needs a gun. And so we come back to our dear friend Mark in Florida, who once advised us, and it remains true to this day, I think it's probably true on a level with, say, gravity or, or Boyle's gas laws, that you cannot outdraw a drawn gun. Because, well, Die Hard is a Christmas movie, not a documentary. And nobody is Bruce Willis, and there isn't a script. Is that what it takes? No, no, not a script. Is that what it takes? Do are, are, have we, and and this is such such uncomfortable ground to be on. But is it time to understand that the Second Amendment supporters are engaged in open rebellion? against the people of the United States? Because when you make it easier for the mostly young white males to go out and do these things, and you know or you should have known what the reasonable and direct and proximate results of your negligence would be, or perhaps your willful and wanton conduct, I'd say willful and wanton, grossly, yeah. At some point in time, that begins to feel like warfare. At some point in time, that begins to feel like accessory before the fact of fucking murder. having a, hard, a harder and harder time evading that conclusion. Thank you, Steve. Steve in New York says, I'm not sure you did this. Say their names, Junior Ariel Anderson, Sophomore Brian Fraser, and Junior Alexandria Verner. And how many more 
remain critically injured in hospital? Meanwhile, Bernadette with a question, not just for me, but for the uh, Horn Family Community Congregation at large. I need help with a question, Bernadette says. Last night, my 12-year-old grandson asked me, Mimi, what do I do if there's someone shooting at my school? How in the fuck do I even begin to answer him? They've been doing active shooter drills for as long as he and I can remember. He's a straight-A student, and aside from dealing with the constant racism he doesn't want to deal with, now he doesn't want to go because of all the school shootings. For all the stress he deals with just to go to school, I'm almost shocked he keeps his grades up. Please, someone, tell me how to answer him. Bernadette, I don't have an answer that isn't absolutely and completely heartbreaking. Although you remind me of another possibility. There's a list of things that Republicans hate in this country, and public education is way up at the top of their list. Ah, it was, you know, it was back before he went off to spend eternity in hell, but I remember when Jerry Falwell once said to the adoring cheers of his mouth-walking, knuckle-breathing, toenail, toothpicking faithful, that the government had no business in education, and education should be returned to the churches where it belonged. If you take a long, hard look at this, it sure makes a compelling, you know, a compelling argument for, well, you know, maybe... Because I'm trying to, and it's an ugly thing to do, and it's hateful, and it's awful, but I'm trying to think like a maggot thinks. Because there are other comparisons. Remember when Nitwit Nero said that if we just didn't count COVID cases, we wouldn't have so many COVID cases? Look, we need to get rid of public education. And then the people who can go to school can go to, can go to church schools, and the church schools will be bristling with machine guns in the name of Jesus. And there won't be no more school shootings. See how it works? Yeah, we have school shooters because we have schools. We have mall shooters because we have malls. We have military base shooters because we have military bases. We have university shooters because we have universities. We just got rid of it, and everybody had a gun, and we could just go all Mad Max. Well, right there, that's that, that's your Republican dream, Haiti with cable. Somalia with cable. They are deconstructionists. I know it gives them a terrible, terrible, butthurt sad over at Fox News TV Radio Rwanda, but Republicans really don't value the idea of civil governance. There is certainly no empirical data to suggest that they do. Subject line, trauma. Matt is back home safely in San Francisco. I got a I got a story from vacation, which was fantastic, with the exception of this story, which happened one night in my husband's hometown. 
Zamboaga, Philippines. Short backstory for context. I spent the majority of my vacation at my sister-in-law's house. When we went out, it was a family affair. Mama and Papa, sister-in-law, her husband and son, my husband, his friend who drove, two helpers, and myself, so ten of us. We had a 12-passenger van to get around. One night, while getting back on the road after stopping at a pharmacy, we came upon a downed motorcycle rider who appeared to have crashed in the middle of the road as traffic kept moving in both directions around him. My sister-in-law yells out, That's our cousin. Stop. We have to help him. The van stops. My husband, the nurse, jumps out and runs and kneels down next to the downed motorcycle rider. Mama and Papa jump out along with my sister-in-law following them. Then the driver steps out of the van, thus blocking traffic, and jumps out as well. I'm in the back seat of the van at this point. I look out the front window and see my husband kneeling, instructing the crowd which had gathered and were all recording the event with, on their cell phones. My husband motions to them to remove the motorcycle that was laying on top of one of their cousin's legs. The crowd moved the motorcycle. At this point, I grew concerned because my husband's the only one tending to the motorcycle rider, now laying on his back on the roadway as the crowd all has their phones in hand recording. Now I jump out because I figured my husband needed help, and if no one else was jumping in, I would. As I walked up to my husband, he was holding his cousin's head, his motorcycle helmet still on. As I got closer and looked down, I saw that the man on the ground was spitting up a lot of blood, and my husband had him roll to his side so he wouldn't drown in his own blood. At this point, Mama yells at me to get back in the van because it's not safe. Get back in the van! I got back in the van. The entire time, my sister is yelling at the people driving by to get an ambulance. All this was in Tagalog, so I only caught familiar words. Eventually, a quick response team arrives along with an ambulance. Once the first responders got there, everyone returns to the van, and the full story is told to me. It turns out it was not an accident. Their cousin was shot point-blank in the head. They were not close to this cousin because that side of the family is problematic. This cousin was recently bailed out of jail and awaiting trial for killing two police officers. Apparently was involved in the drug trade and it wasn't really clear if he was executed due to the drug trade or the killings. My husband said he didn't think he would survive because not only was he bleeding from the mouth but also white matter along with brain matter was coming out of his mouth. The next day we found out that indeed their cousin did succumb to his injuries. While at lunch the next day, one of my husband's friends from high school asked me if I was afraid of coming back to the Philippines and if the event had made me feel unsafe in the Philippines. Immediately I said, actually, no. I feel fine. In America, I could get shot at the supermarket, work, a school, at the movies. As bad as it sounds, at least this event made sense. People who kill people sometimes have immediate revenge dealt out to them, and that makes more sense to me than people who just randomly start opening fire into a crowd. So, I think I've been pretty hardened by living in the good old U.S. of A. Makes me really uncomfortable that I was that matter-of-fact about what transpired. It really shouldn't be this way. I shouldn't be so familiar with what I witnessed. It shouldn't be this easy to just shrug all that off. 
but shrug it. I did. Signed Matt in San Francisco. And Matt, don't beat yourself up. I hope you aren't. That what you witnessed was a rough form of immediate retributive justice. And we see some we, we, we see some of that. God knows that kind of justice has been dealt out in this country in the past and in the present. I mean, come on. It's Valentine's Day. Anybody? Valentine's Day? The Valentine's Day Massacre? There we go. February 14th, 1929. Seven members of the Northside Gang in Chicago. All together at Lincoln Park. Or a garage there on that morning. Four unknown assailants, two of them dressed as cops. Wonder if maybe they really were. Lined the seven up against a wall and gunned them down. It was a matter of warfare between the Irish Northside gang and the Italian Chicago outfit. That would be your Al Capone bunch. But then again, there's also an allegation that a Chicago police officer's son had been killed, and they didn't want to wait for the trial. Cops remain the biggest, baddest gang in the, gangs in the country, with the best weapons. And now... Not quite a hundred years later, we still have that kind of violence here, similar to what Matt in San Francisco saw. And in its own way, horrifying as it is, you can at least kind of wrap your head around it. You can see where a power struggle for control of a criminal enterprise might lead to that kind of behavior. But I don't think any of us, the entire country, no, not the entire country, the decent part of the country, can understand buying an AR-15 or whatever weapon was used at Michigan State and just wasting people at random. The attacks are targeted in terms of the location was targeted. The murders themselves, well, those are random. 
terribly, terribly random. And incomprehensibly so. But not the entire country is horrified by this. There are some that retreat behind their redoubts of things like, well, that's what you get for video games. Or, that's what you get for violence on the TV box. That's what you get for taking psychiatric meds. That's what you get because the kids weren't raised in church. Anything on earth to keep from talking about the guns. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. When when guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns. And I remember eons ago, um, back when he was just a young, sort of pseudo-punk, a song that For some reason, I got on a promotional mixdown album and has stayed with me all these years. And it came to mind particularly yesterday, last night, well, because last night was Monday. Shoot. Ooh. 
Sorry, I've been earworming that all day long, and, and well, Boomtown Rats. And that one, and, and the thing is, remember the, the, the University of Texas Bell Tower shooting preceded that one. And we don't have a motive yet. Wasn't quite as obvious as going into Club Q when you've been raised to be homophobic and transphobic all your life. But it seems, yeah, of the dead at Michigan State, two out of three are young women. Guy with a knife went in and slaughtered women, and one guy who happened to be there. And it's it's hard to it's it's hard to pinpoint anything except to say that. It's a lot easier to kill a lot of people if you have a if you have a weapon that will shoot a lot of bullets. Knife work is messy. And it's worth noting that you know while while this was you know this was still in the morning Monday morning the man who is in constant competition as stupidest man in the entire Senate, granted, he has, he does, he's got stiff competition. Well, stupidest person in the Senate, because we would not want to be exclusionary and leave out Marsha 3X Blackburn. But I'm talking, of course, about Tommy the Tuber, the former Auburn University head football coach and um, accused hedge fund swindler, whom the people of Alabama, in their infinite wisdom, decided to send to the Senate of the United States, I guess because nobody else wanted the job. No, other people wanted the job. It's just they couldn't have that. They couldn't have that abortion supporting Doug Jones in the Senate no more. Okay. But proving that he is the stupidest man in the Senate of the United States, well, he, he knew what he needed to be talking about in a floor speech on Monday. He's mad at the Biden administration. Oh, Lord, he's mad at the Biden administration. And, and why wouldn't he be? Because, well, while Tommy the Tuber will never do a damn thing about the flood of blood running across this country by uh, the, the, created by mostly young white men with easy access, lawful access to firearms that were designed for warfare. He'll never say a word about that. 
But Lordy, doesn't he have something to say about the fetuses? This is. No issue shows the radical drift of this administration better than abortion. Oh, I thought he was going to say better, better than letting the black people vote. Wait a minute, wrong generation. A very tough and a very important topic. The far left attacks pro-life Americans, and they distract from the fact that they're... Attacks pro-life American? I got nothing. Somebody spray-painted a, 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 a crisis pregnancy center, and the pro-life movement is under attack. On the other hand, actual women's reproductive health care clinics are attacked by people with guns, and, well, I understand he did it for Jesus. Their views that go well beyond the beliefs of most Americans and most civilized people around the world. Except, you know, Tommy the Tuber, I mean, he's a potato head, is wrong. Protecting a woman's right to reproductive care is supported 70, 80% in this country. That's part of why there was no red wave this past November. It was more like a little bit of spotting. The Biden administration supports an extreme, heartless, and an inhumane abortion agenda. The Democrats today believe in abortion at any time, for any reason, with no restrictions or regard for human life. Actually... Of course, making reproductive care easily accessible to women in this country is the ultimate in regard for human life. Because if a woman is not ready to bring a life into this world, the life she is forced to bring in will be a nightmarish existence. hers and the babies. You'll notice Tommy the Tuber's not talking about rape or incest or any of the things that, well, the kind of people who vote for him get up to. I am proud to be pro-life for many reasons, including my faith. Another thing that I will not set aside for political correctness. And no one's asking him to. God, he's got the boxing gloves on and he's beating the stuffing out of that straw man, isn't he? Straw man never gets a punch in. However, mm. even, even without considering religion, a society that allows abortion up to and past the moment of birth after the baby has been born isn't progressive, it's barbaric, and it's murder. Hold the phone, Tuber. Up to and after the moment of birth, abortion? Post-birth abortion? You goddamned idiot. Holy smoke. We have murder statutes on the books that apply to pretty much any human being who has been born. So um, is, is, is what happened at Michigan State last night, is that... Uh, uh, Democrat agenda post-birth abortion. 
because I've got a sneaking suspicion that the shooter, if they registered to vote, well, we know how he votes. We know how he's registered. He's either an independent or a Republican, and I've got huh, I got Abe Lincoln that says he's a Republican. Um, but don't look for Tommy the Tuber to be making any big noises about the agony, the grief, the misery, the torment, the torture, the PTSD, the lifelong trauma that comes from things like school shootings because I'm sure Tommy the Tuber has some fine, fine, fine friends over at the National Ruble, I mean Rifle Association. When the Supreme Court ruled that abortion should be left up to the people, this administration went into overdrive to force their agenda onto every American. Now to Ever, they did it. They, they forced their agenda onto every American. Now every American has to go and get aborted. Mm-hmm. Ah, Tommy the Tuber just went and had an abortion myself. I didn't want that abortion. I wanted to keep my baby. But the Biden administration, I'm an every American, and the Biden administration done made me had one. Every American. And to be clear, the Supreme Court ruling did not make abortion illegal. It said we're going to send it back to the states where it can be more closely decided by the voters. Let the vo Oh, well, the voters, well, okay, I guess you weren't so crazy about it when the voters decided to tell Republicans like you to go fuck up a tree, Tommy. You know, in Kansas, Michigan, California. And so the kind of people who support Tommy the Tuber are out there working hand over fist, hammer and tongs, trying to figure out a way to get around that in, you know, Kansas, California, etc. More closely decided by the people. Except the people didn't decide anything in Alabama. Bunch of wild-eyed, misogynistic maniacs down there on Goat Hill made that decision. Voters decided. That's how we do it in the United States of America. But Except in the Senate, where he's speaking, where a minority can keep the majority from doing anything good for America. Because it's an issue that should not be left up to the federal government or to a court. Why not? I mean, that's a hell of a statement to make, but why not? An abortion is an abortion in California as well as it is in Alabama. Or South Carolina stand. It's the same procedure. Care might be a little bit better in California. Okay, the care might be a lot better in California. But it's the same procedure. Why should a woman born in Alabama or South Carolina stand be cursed to live without bodily autonomy 
simply because of the accident of her being born in Alabama or South Carolina, Stan, whereas a woman can, can actually be in charge of her reproductive choices in California, Oregon, Washington, Kansas, New York, New Jersey, etc. Because the voters, many of them a bunch of pasty-faced, doughy old white men, think she shouldn't have that right. And we're going to call that democracy. Right, potato head? Right. The people should decide it. That's what we should do here. That's what we've always done. So he won't be supporting a national ban on abortion then. Do I understand that? Oh, fuck no. No. He'll support a national ban on abortion if it ever gets to. And he'll probably get around to braying and hooting and grunting about it. Uh, just as quick as he gets back to the uh, to the to the hustings back down there in Alabama and gets a whole mob of people picking their teeth with their toenail clippings to grunt at. The administration is attempting to use at this time now our military, our veterans affairs facilities, your taxpayer dollars, maybe even a ridiculous new public health emergency in the very future. And fuck off, because that that's what he's mad about. Because last year, in the wake of the Dobbs decision, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, well, the Biden administration did what a presidential administration can do, and they decided that the Defense Department would provide travel expenses and other support for members of the military who needed an abortion but happened to be under orders of the United States government in service to the Constitution of the United States based in states where it is impossible for a woman to get reproductive care. That, according to Tommy the Tuber, is the radical drift of this administration. The President of the United States takes an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. We do that, at least nominally, to a certain extent, through our military. And in order to provide for the well-being of the military, well... you got to take care of them. And abortion is health care. No matter, no matter what this guy, whose greatest claim to fame was beating the University of Alabama a couple of times in a, in a game or two, uh, attempts to think. But everybody knows he's an idiot. He was an idiot all the way back to his first day on the job on January the 6th, 2021. When he was cowering under the, uh, under a desk, taking a call, taking calls from nitwit Nero, saying, uh, uh, no, Mr. President, uh, uh, I'm not likely. Can't you hear the southern accent? Oh, uh, this is Tommy Tuberville. No, no. Well, uh, uh, pass the phone over to Mike. Well, uh, it's a little difficult right now. Do you not have his number? Uh, I said pass the phone to Mike. 
All right, let me see if I can run through the gunfire. Hope it don't get shot. <sighs> Trying to figure out what's in uh, extreme, heartless, and inhumane about taking care of one's military. But that's. But then again, this dipshit thinks that. Hmm. There can be an abortion after a baby is born. But as Jeremy in Vermont pointed out, this is the same old tired canard of partial birth abortion. The baby's head comes out of its mama and they start chopping at it with scissors. I've seen it happen. You know, just like last night, we had the clip of that one uh, Republican weirdo who apparently creepers on 10-year-old uh, kids and said, I talked to a 10-year-old who told me that she wanted to be a transgender because she done seen it on the TikTok, and the TikTok is, is the communist Chinese trying to trans our youngins. <sighs> we have so many problems in this country. One of them is an IQ problem. Because while you and I, who pay attention and have IQs, well, well, well above, say, today's temperature in Fayette County, West Virginia, well above the temperature in this studio here, the fabulous horn studios of the magnificent Kincaid Mansion. The same, sadly, cannot be said of a great deal of this country. Especially not in places like Arkansas and Alabama. Mississippi stand. And to the extent that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link, I guess a country is only as intelligent as its stupidest citizens. Speaking of stupid, we have a new one. Dear God, get the hockey puck. Get the duct tape. I mean, this may, this may, be, this may be some serious Jerry Falwell Jr. rope work by the time we're done, you know... Becker, or um, there is there's a new conspiracy theory running around out there in maggot world. You're not ready for this, but then again, this is the same. This is the same Republican Party that once spent years swearing up and down that Michelle Obama, who's a man, she's really a man, he's a man. Remember? Now, there is a new freak out among the people with who picked their teeth with their toenail clippings. 
that says that Vice President Kamala Harris wasn't really there a week ago tonight at the State of the Union address. A TikTok video of communist Chinese is making the rounds saying that Kamala and, and it's been it's been modified the 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 the, the her skin tone has been changed, of course. And it says that she doesn't breathe. The Vice President of the United States does not breathe. See, this is what happens when we report facts in, 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 in previous years. It was a fact that for a time there, the Vice President of the United States, who happened to be Richard B. Dick Cheney before he dicks you, you know, Count Dicula, fucker didn't have a pulse. That was back back when he was back when he was waiting for somebody to harvest some decent human being's heart to put in his evil chest. But he didn't have a pulse. And somewhere back in the lizard brains of these maggots, I guess they remember that and now they've decided that Kamala Harris does not breathe air. Uh, they've decided that she was that there was a body double there. Because her neck was wrinkly. She was wearing a... Whoever that was was wearing a Kamala Harris mask to cover her... I'm not kidding. Gills. No, gills. The maggots think the vice president of the United States... Has gills. And now the vice president has gills, has run all over the conspiracy theorist part of that skeevy little uh, social media platform that Elno Muskrat owns. He, by the way, watched the Super Bowl this past Sunday in the private booth of one Rupert Murdoch. Remember when Elno was a visionary and anti-mainstream? And it, it, No, he never was. Some of us never fell for it. Admired his cars once. But some maggot saw the shape of water. Here we are. Of course, they're fresh off of uh, swearing that Damar Hamlin had a body double, too, and was really not alive. But that's where they are. Oh, yeah. The Vice President of the United States has gills. Gills. Wish I was kidding. Um, Darlene in Connecticut writes, 
Connecticut has some of the most progressive pro-abortion laws in the nation, yet like everybody else, you skip right over us like we don't exist. Like you left us off the list of the East, Co- East Coast coastal elite states. Get on the ball, woman. Feeling pretty damned left out here in Connecticut. I'm sorry, Darlene. Y'all are just so small. Oh, now I'll get shit for that. <laughs> it's okay, Darlene. I love you. You know you're a coastal elite. I know you're a coastal elite. Everybody knows that Connecticut is full of coastal elites. <laughs> Except, you know, the Republicans who aren't. Point taken. I will try to make sure next time. You know, because it's just easy. Washington, Oregon, California there. Okay, New York, Michigan, Illinois. Okay. If you make Charlene write in and give me shit for leaving Rhode, Rhode Island out of the co- co- coastal elites, damn it, Darlene. <laughs> uh, you get a cowbell. Quit leaving out Connecticut from the progressive coastal elite list. But it is important that it is valuable that there is an alternative there. We need all we need all the states we can get to actually protect the rights of everyone in this country. Maybe Darlene, uh, uh, start hotting up the phone and see if you can get a refugee bill through the Connecticut legislature. And I'll feel a lot better about having somewhere to run to when these fuckers in Charleston make my life a felony. And by the way, Ralphs says, Darlene, you're valid, Darlene. Well done, Ralphs. Progressively valid. Thank you. Uh, Darlene adds, there's so much wrong with that Kamala conspiracy. I don't know where to even begin. I guess it's retribution for the that's not melanoma. You are definitely getting shit for the but y'all are so small part. Well, are you bigger than West Virginia? I mean, I'm kind of okay. You got to you got to speed on population without a doubt. You've got to. I mean, that's why our government's so fucked up, among other reasons. <laughs> Please don't, Charlene. Don't pile on. Fish people, says Lee in New York. The vice president is not a fish person, but the New York Mets had a fish manager. Gills Hodges, ah, yes, Gills Hodges played for the Brooklyn Dodgers as well. And, uh, of course, uh, then there was, there were, uh, There were two Cardinals who played shortstop for the uh, Fordham Rams. One of my favorite baseball trivia questions. One of them was Francis Cardinal Spellman. This is deep, deep baseball trivia. But that did. Never mind. 
Um, uh, thanks, George. George says, uh, on Digby's Hullabaloo today, a writer featured mass shooting songs. One was by Warren Zevon, Excitable Boy, and David Gilmore. The one that got to me was Harry Chapin's Sniper. What a talent. Gone too soon. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing Warren Zevon, and that, that ha- that's got to be Excitable Boy, isn't it? Uh, Jimmy in the Great Northwest, military health care. Yes, Robin, the Republicans are weak on this subject. I won't be surprised if one of those idiots try, uh, did try to make their point for no women in the military. Just saying. I mean, yeah, because they've been pissed about that ever since. Saw a meme the other day that said that uh, the Super Bowl halftime show there would it would be a first because it would be the first time that the flyover was piloted exclusively by women. So naturally, the asshole who put the meme up said, I guess we can look for another 9-11 over the Super Bowl. Yeah, because women can't fly planes. No, it's impossible. It never ends. Okay, Darlene, good for you. Oh, Rhode Island is really just an extension of Connecticut anyway. Kidding, Charlene, kidding. Thank you, thank you, thank you for taking some of the heat off of me, Darlene. I appreciate it, dear. Oh, and speak. I, I mentioned Demar Hamlin. This is Titanic Tuesday. We do take note of Titanic manifestations of right wing, what passes for intellect. Still no sign of the Titanic. Tortilla Press, though. DeMar Hamlin, who had a heart attack on the field during a regular season game this year uh, when the Bills were playing the Bengals and had a wonderful recovery because there was a team of medical professionals on the field there who saved his life Well, he caught shit from Adrian Peterson. And Adrian Peterson is apparently a big old friend of Jeebus. You know, back there in the huddle praying, you know, Jesus, don't make me fumble. Jesus, let me run this one for a touchdown. Jesus, let me catch that pass on the crossing route. Oh, Adrian Peterson, big old Jesus fan. And DeMar Hamlin wore a jacket. I mean, this is what happens, you know, when you make NFL money for a few years. Um, The jacket was by a designer named Takashi Murakami. And I guess it retails for $3,150. And it had this big, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's like a Letterman kind of jacket. It's got, you know, white leather sleeves with something written on it in gold. And the, and, and the body of the jacket is blue. And then it's got a big old design over the left breast quadrant of something that looks like it probably came from the Simpsons. It's the right color of yellow. 
or maybe it's emoji yellow. But Adrian Peterson, Titanic Christian, had a fit. Uh, according to uh, TMZ, the design on the jacket is an emblazoned crucifix and altered Jesus head. Still waiting to find out how it is that TMZ knows what Jesus looked like, or Adrian Peterson either for that matter. Like I said, the photo I'm looking at, all I can see is maybe Jesus is a character from The Simpsons. Because I, I, it looks a lot more like Homer than it does. Well, I can't even say that because nobody looks, knows what Jesus looked like. But Adrian Peterson took it upon himself to lecture DeMar Hamlin about his choice of attire. You should be thanking God, son. This is blasphemy. Capitalizing blasphemy. Hey, Adrian, dumbass. This is a secular country. We don't have blasphemy laws. You want blasphemy laws? You're going to love Iran. Just, you know, hope they don't murder your daughter when she doesn't wear the headgear right. You should be thanking God, son. This is blasphemy. We all fall short, but come on, man. I find this disrespectful. Hashtag grateful. Hashtag God did. Oh, fuck you. A lot. You and your God-bothering Jesus Bible-humping. And then another NFL uh, retiree, Fred Taylor, said, You should DM him, bro. I'm sure he'd listen to your opinion. Posting it doesn't help anyone. He's young. Young people don't always think before they wear things, just like people who wear skulls and other things that doesn't align with Christian beliefs. Try to reach him. And Adrian Peterson, I guess, was just feeling argumentative, and he said, But this was different. I know young people don't think at times older as well, but with everything surrounding his situation, this isn't one of those moments where it's a young guy not thinking. They won't just... They won't just leave us alone. And by us, I mean anybody who doesn't bow and scrape before their invisible friend. It is inconceivable to a goon like Adrian Peterson that maybe some people might even think that Jesus doesn't much care. This really had nothing to do with the brown-skinned Palestinian day laborer and semi-literate itinerant rabbi who wore a dress every day of their life, as it does with, I don't know, Adrian Peterson's muscular, masculine vision of a Christianity that never, ever existed? But here we are. 
and what a dumbass. And so far, DeMar Hamlin has not had anything to say about Adrian Peterson, which is probably driving Adrian Peterson right up a tree. Oh, and by the way, we are well past the halfway point of the program. We're still a goose egg at eight hundred and forty dollars to go. Uh, we've still and, and we've still got ninety dollars to finish off the challenge from our dear anonymous friend last night. Please don't let that go by the boards. Please. I would really appreciate that if we didn't. Um. And from Theo, subject line, Gills? Gills? I, Robin, I was outside doing a chore when you got to the piece concerning the latest idiotic rumor concerning Vice President Harris. With great personal fortitude, I made it inside before beating my head against something injurious. I'm 70, and there's only so much self-inflicted damage I'm willing to absorb these days. Trigger warning next time, Theo. That's the best I can promise. I'm sorry. I don't I don't make it. I just report it. Gills. Yeah, see, if you look real close, you can see the hook. Right in the gills. Mm-hmm. Yep. You got to play them a little bit once you hook them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you, Ralphs, for getting us started on that last 90 bucks. Thank you so much. So that's uh, 80 bucks to go on that, and then we will be at 8:40, and we'll be uh, engaged in this nine, actually eight days to go. Not even that many in terms of broadcast days. Yeah, I got to crank out a thousand bucks to the power company on the 23rd, or well, good times, not. Jesus looked like, Jeremy says, of course Jesus was white, just like Santa. Just ask Megan Kelly. Of course, he didn't. Jesus isn't Simpsons yellow. Jesus is a white man. Prettiest blue eyes you ever saw. Simpsons yellow, Lee, oh my God, Soylent Yellow. It's Toons! Nice job. Well, uh, thank you, Ralph, serving as the Horn Ad Hoc Research Department. Uh, Adrian Peterson now says that he talked to DeMar Hamlin about his jacket. So I spoke with DeMar, and we were able to discuss our thoughts as men. I want to be clear. I'm the last person to judge anyone. Liar, liar, you Christian liar. You were the first person to judge him for wearing that jacket. Blow it out your ass, Adrian Peterson. And that was never my intention. However, I do feel as if the jacket was disrespectful. It's a jacket, dumbass. It can't be disrespectful. It is an inanimate object. 
was Adrian Peterson like a Rhodes Scholar coming out of college? Just wondering. And it was something that I needed to share. Ah, oh, these evangelicals, they're forever sharing shit. I do realize everyone makes mistakes and falls short at times, so again, my intention was never to judge, just to share my opinion. As if it mattered. As if anybody gave a damn what Adrian Peterson's opinion is on matters religious. And DeMar Hamlin did not fall short, and it's not for Adrian Peterson to judge. This is why I despise these people. And then the, then he went on, because, you know, first law of holes. Well, after speaking with Damar, I have an understanding that it didn't come from a place of ill intent. Hashtag grateful. Hashtag God. Hashtag forgiveness. This fucker really does need to be in Iran. And you know what? The, the, the NFL is so feckless. They would probably, they would probably franchise the Tehran terrorists or whatever uh, if there was enough money in play, because that's what the NFL is all about, being how it's a nonprofit and everything. The more I have respect and love for you, and I wish you nothing but the best. But I just can't rock with that jacket. No one's asking asking you to, fuckwit. It's not your jacket. It's not like you came up to me and said, Hey, you wanna wear my you wanna wear my Jesus jacket? We can go steady. No. I feel like there are a lot of people young and old looking up to you and with power and influence comes great responsibility. I apologize for offending you. <sighs> Oh, I get it now. Okay, that's what was on the back. Uh, it really is a Simpsons Jesus on the cross. And it's the design. Oh, my, I'm talking about a visual on the radio, but let's see if I can make this work. Um, on the back, across the top, in a sort of arc form is the word eternal in several different colors and styles of lettering. And then there's a sort of paper doll yellow Jesus, Simpsons yellow, nailed right in with a big old googly face. And since he's a paper doll, there are, you know, there are like paper doll uh, clothing elements that have little paper tabs. That these is all. This is all on jacket. One's a long blue-haired wig. Another one's a red sort of tunic, kind of cute little summer dress. And I can't. Uh, oh, sandals. Those are sandals. And that is what got Adrian Peterson all het up. They're so dainty. They are so delicate. They are such precious little snowflakes. And apparently they're mewling, puking little, 
eight pound six ounce baby Jesus. All powerful in the universe, but can't do a damn thing about a jacket made by a Japanese designer. Clarence reminds us, despite uh, that uh, Adrian has a child abuse history, he should keep his mouth shut. Thanks for the reminder. This goes back to November of two, uh, 2018. Washington fo- I'm editing on the fly. Washington Football Club running back Adrian Peterson, who served a one-year suspension in the NFL after he was charged with child abuse, admitted he still sometimes uses a belt to hit his son. In a story on Bleacher Report, Peterson said, I had to discipline my son and spank him the other day with a belt. He also makes them do wall squats. He makes them sit in timeout, or he takes away their electronics. There's different ways I discipline my kids. I didn't let that change me. Because he beat the living hell out of his four-year-old son with a, with a, with a, with a tree limb back in 2014. He left cuts and bruises all over the little boy's body, including on his buttocks and on his little scrotum. They let him plead out to misdemeanor reckless assault on a no-contest plea. And then the NFL dumped him for a year. Thanks for the reminder, Clarence. I agree with you. Adrian Peterson needs to shut the fuck up. Till you stop beating you. Know, when did you stop beating your kids, Adrian? God, these people. Well, we are done with the anonymous challenge from yesterday. Thank you, Arnold. Thank you so much. Arnold did that uh, single-handedly. And so that means that we are now at 8.30. And uh, our buddy Don in British Columbia took us down to 7.80. And Dave in the Blind took us down to 7.55. Thank you all so, so very much. I wish it wasn't as dire as it is. But it is. And hopefully... Well, we'll uh, we'll make we'll, we'll make it to where we need to get. Now this is a bit of a follow-up. You remember back before the guy who slaughtered the young college students from the University of Idaho was caught. Um, Kaylee Gonsalves, Madison Mogan, Zena Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin were all martyred. And eventually a real monster of a human being, Brian Koberger, was arrested. He has said on um, on one social media platform, I can do whatever I want with a little remorse. People reported that. 
Well, before Brian Koberger was arrested, a woman that we talked about uh, here, and uh, a TikToker by the name of Ashley Gillard, who TikToks under the handle Ashley Solves Mysteries, brought down untold amounts of grief on a University of Idaho professor who, I guess I have to say this, had absolutely nothing to do with the killings and there was nothing that made her a suspect. Rebecca Schofield sued Ashley Gillard, who even after she was sued, if you recall the story, went on broadcasting and saying, uh, y'all should have known better, no one can silence me from telling the truth. Well, she got served, and I don't mean that in any colloquial sense of the word. She was duly and properly served with suit papers filed by Professor Rebecca Schofield. And then Ashley Gillard decided she was not going to answer the lawsuit. Most jurisdictions, you get uh, 20 days to answer, 30 if you uh, file a notice of uh, of, of, of a good faith defense, depending on how the rules of civil procedure are set up in a given jurisdiction. She had no grounds whatsoever for pointing the finger at Rebecca, Professor Rebecca Schofield. And so, having uh, having thumbed her nose at a lawsuit, maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe she was paying attention to how Nitwit Nero, because she's got a kind of a maggoty sound to her. Maybe she was paying attention to how Nitwit Nero deals deals with lawsuits. More on that in a minute. So Schofield marched into court and announced that. Ashley Gillard had been duly and properly served and then moved the court to find Ashley Gillard in default. And she will eventually get a default judgment against Ashley Gillard. Her lawyer is a woman named Wendy J. Olson and said, The statements made about Professor Schofield are false, plain and simple. What's even worse is that these untrue statements create a safety issue for the professor and her family. They also further compound the trauma that the families of the victims are experiencing and undermine law enforcement efforts to find the people responsible in order to provide answers to the families and the public. Professor Schofield twice sent cease and desist letters to Ms. Gillard, but Ms. Gillard has continued to make false statements knowing they are false. And then went on and said, why does she need three lawyers if she's so innocent? I'm not stopping. This horrible woman posted six TikTok videos to her account. Professor Schofield is the, is the chair of the history department at the University of Idaho. And she said flat out that Professor Schofield murdered the four students. And claimed that 
Professor Schofield was in a lesbian relationship with Casey Gonzalez. All of this went down before Brian Koberger was busted. And if she's a TikTok star, maybe she got some TikTok money, and I frankly hope uh, Professor Rebecca Schofield gets all of it. Oh, and I, I said that uh, more on Nitwit Nero. Yeah, an appeals court in New York State today upheld the trial court's order holding Nitwit Nero in civil contempt for refusing to honor a subpoena from the Attorney General of New York, Letitia James. And it wasn't even close. The appellate division in Manhattan said that Letitia James, by clear and convincing evidence, established that Nitwit Nero's pro forma response to the December 1, 2021 subpoena was inadequate. Yeah, it takes that long. And like I said, it wasn't close. It was five to nothing. Because Nitwit Nero responding to the subpoena said, a diligent search failed to uncover relevant documents in my possession. And then didn't say, now this is a complicated legal term, dick, about what he did to make sure that nothing was lost or discarded. And the court found that it prejudicially violated the lawful clear mandate of the court of which he had knowledge. He did, allegedly, Nitwit Nero, pay off the $110,000 in fine, the fines that trial court judge uh, Arthur Ngoron imposed until compliance with the subpoena. And now she's after more sanctions against Nitwit Nero. I, ho- I hope, and this is, this, is no, this is no negative on... Attorney General James. I hope she chomps down on him like a junkyard dog after an old bone. Meanwhile, the $937,989 in sanctions against Nitwit Nero and the lawyer for the parking garage are on hold. Pending Nitwit Nero posting a bond of some $1.03 million to cover the cost. God, I hope he and counsel for the, the, uh, Alina having a bad day. I, I hope they're having some delightful conversations. It's, it's fun when your client has to get another lawyer and then you, the former lawyer, have to lawyer up and eventually. Well, MAGA stands for many attorneys going away. Hope it doesn't hurt too little. And then, as discussed on this program, by the way, lines are open if anybody wants to engage in some conversation. You are more than welcome so to do. Um, 
Stress line's open, 844-843-4676. If anybody called the stress line last night and didn't get through, that's on me. I'd forgotten to charge it, and it had finally run down. The standby on that phone's really good, but nothing lasts forever. Um, but it's fully charged now. The stress line is 844-843-4676-844-THE-HORN. Uh, and, of course, you can always reach me on Skype because I still haven't changed Bob Kincaid Horn to... Robin Kincaid Horn. I will do that someday, you know, maybe on the fifth anniversary of my transition. But you can get through easily that way, too. Feel free. Last week, we talked about the little bit of whispering going on that Nimrata Haley, former governor of South Carolina and former United States Ambassador to the United Nations, the woman who was <laughs> bamboozled into thinking she was talking to the President of Poland when she was really talking to the Moscow 97-7 Morning Zoo crew, the vulgar Boltman. Wednesday, somebody's going to get that joke. Uh, and, and, and was convinced that there's a South Pacific Island nation named Bonomo. We're the only ones that are still talking about that. I don't know why. I guess some of this stuff's just terribly easy to forget. But she's now the, the first official Republican primary challenger to nitwit Nero. And while I was up this, uh, I was I was up this morning and uh, engaging in my filthy morning habit. And I thought I, th I thought I thought Joe was going to have a plum baby right there on the air. Taking her down. Yeah, she got some traction. Uh, got some traction for taking down the. Confederate flag in South Carolina after the Mother Emanuel shooting, but then, well, she took it back. So they took her apart on Morning Joe. And then they came back to her, uh, came came back after her on the afternoon program with uh, that former member of the Bush administration. And Tim Miller from Bulwark was the uh, the uh, agent of the takedown in that instance. Officially a contest as of today. Former South Carolina governor and Trump's ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley has thrown Moy her Heldon, into by the, the ring, challenging Not her a former, former boss for the nomination. Bush Haley had initially declined to run for president if Donald Trump were also a candidate, telling the AP, quote, I would not run if President Trump ran and I would talk to him about it. 
That's not the only flip-flop she has made over the course of her career. Two days after the horrific shooting at the Emanuel AME Church in her state, when asked if she would have the Confederate flag removed from State House grounds, she said she was, quote, not doing that to the people of my state. Here she is three days later. Today, we are here in a moment of unity in our state without ill will to say it's time to move the flag from the Capitol grounds. Five days after the January 6th insurrection, she told Politico, quote, we need to acknowledge he let us down. He went down a path he shouldn't have and we shouldn't have followed him. And we can't let that ever happen again. Fast forward 10 months later, she told The Wall Street Journal this. There was fraud in the election, but I don't think that the numbers were so big that it swayed the vote in the wrong direction. We need him in the Republican Party. I don't want us to go back to the days before Trump. We're back with Kim Atkins-Store and Tim Miller. Tim, I'll start with you. Haley is polling at, I believe, under 1%, according to a recent uh, Manmouth poll. Uh, that is three points behind uh, other candidates. What does that say about her candidacy at this point? Now, just for the sake of clarity, she's not three points down behind other candidates. She's three points down behind a candidate named Other. I think there's kind of a significance there. Yeah, she's doing a little bit better than that in the other polls, but it's still not enough uh, to be able to compete with Trump. And here's the big problem, is that because of all these flip-flops that you laid out, Eamon, she is looked at skeptically by the MAGA voter. And, and here's the thing, about 80%, maybe 85% of the Republican primary is going to be people who are MAGA voters. And I say that to say they thought Trump did a good job on balance. They're more for this nationalist switch in the party than, than to being, you know, a, a globalist party, if you will. And, and so uh, they look at Nikki Haley with deep skepticism for lots of reasons. And so that leaves her a very small pool uh, from which to swim. And so, you know, the party might look for someone else besides Trump, someone like DeSantis, but it will be someone in that vein, not in the Nikki Haley vein. And, and the other thing is Nikki Haley doesn't even know what her own message is. If you look at this intro video today, just as a prime example, the first sentence is about how she grows up in this city in South Carolina that is divided by a railroad track that divides uh, the city by black and white, divides the city by race. And then five seconds later into the video, she attacks the 1619 Project and people and the, the George Floyd protests and people who you know said that racism is an, is a structural problem. Well, how can the video right. be both about how you grew up in a structurally racist town and, and also making fun of people who say racism is a structural problem? She's trying to have it both ways. She's trying to be the MAGA nationalist and also the uniter. And anyone that's trying to have it both ways gets stuck in the middle of the road without anybody supporting her. And that's I think that's where she's at right now. Yeah, and this is a this is a woman who said, you know, America is not racist, but also describes how she experienced discrimination with her family growing up in South Carolina. So uh, to your point and, and and, you know, Kim, Mother Jones put it like this, saying Haley warns in that video she released in her announcement, you should know this about me. I don't put up with bullies. And she eventually did support the guy who I would say is a bully. He called for a ban on all Muslims entering the country, boasted on tape of sexually assaulting women. Uh, the man who reminded her of the forces that unleashed hate on her state in South Carolina. And then she went to work for this guy in a video in which Haley promises to stand up to the bullies. She never once mentions 
the one she is running against, perhaps the biggest bully of all. Talk to me about the cowardice which she has approached talking about Donald Trump and what he has done to our country. I mean, that's absolutely right. And, and I associate myself with everything that Tim said. This is the problem with candidates who are trying to run away from Trump, but still trying to embrace Trumpism. It's really hard to do and not look hypocritical. I mean, she I, I thought the exact same thing about the comment she made about race uh, in that video. That was nonsensical. And it's sort of like she wants everyone to forget that as UN ambassador, she not only was espousing and embracing what Donald Trump brought in his administration, but she was carrying that message to other nations throughout the world. She was she was on a, a an international platform doing it, that's really hard to turn around any race. But we have seen her do that before. She was critical of Trump before she became a part of his administration. I think there's no place in the Republican Party for someone who sort of tries to have it both ways, unless you're, um, you know, a senator from Utah, who <laughs> that's probably going to be his last job because he criticizes Trump sometimes and embraced him at other times. That just sort of seems to be a dead end in the Republican Party. I'm not an expert on Republicans. I don't know where the party is actually headed and who can speak successfully in a post-Trump world for the Republican Party. But you see the struggle happening in real time right now. And I think Haley's campaign is a big example of that. Let me ask you, if I can, Kimberly, um, as we talk about Nikki Haley jumping into the race, you had somebody saying they will not be running in the next election. That is California Senator Dianne Feinstein of California. And that was actually the most exciting news of the day. Fi was a groundbreaker. She made real change. But as I suppose Adam Schiff and maybe uh, Katie Porter knew she wasn't going to run again. But now it's official. She's not going to run again. She's not capable. And that sounds horrible to say, but there's too many examples of her not really being with it. And if there's ever a time when we need someone in the Senate, especially from a state the size of California, who is on top of all the issues, that would be now. I mean, it would be great if she would retire now and let Gavin Newsom appoint someone to sit in that seat now. But I guess that won't happen. Hey, it should. It really, really should. By the way, we're finding out now that the shooter in Lansing, East Lansing, Michigan, uh, was 43 year old, old, years old. He was not a... Uh, 19-year-old with his first AR-15. Forty-three-year-old Anthony McRae blew his own brains out before the cops could get to him. His neighbors called him a hellraiser. And he had, in fact, pleaded guilty to a gun charge back in 2019. 
he would literally practice target shooting out his back door. His daddy, 66-year-old Michael McRae, begged his son to get rid of the guns. The bust in 2019 was for carrying a pistol without a concealed carry permit. Of course, if that had happened, wouldn't have been busted in West Virginia. Wouldn't have been busted in Alabama. Now soon, he won't be. Wouldn't have been busted in Florida. Maybe he needs to be the face of the. Why is this man being persecuted for concealed carrying a pistol campaign from the National Ruble Association? So. Well, once again, there's a reason to think that this, like the other school shootings that was that were analyzed by the Washington Post, could have been prevented. Because after he entered a plea, he was sentenced to 12 months probation in November 2019. Then in October 2020, he got six more months added to his probation so that he could still complete the terms and conditions of the probation order. They let him off probation in May of 2021. And apparently, according to a lawyer in uh, Birmingham, Birmingham, Michigan, Wade Fink said, it's exceedingly common for someone who doesn't have a criminal history and was carrying a concealed weapon. If everybody went to prison for that, you'd... Have an overcrowding problem, and you wouldn't be—you'd be giving a lot of young pe- younger people felonies, which hurts them their whole life. What would have stopped this? Lawyer Fink added, "What would have stopped this is more difficulty accessing guns. The felony isn't going to stop a madman." Now, then again, if he'd been in prison. Uh, And apparently, the murderer's Rubicon came a couple of years ago when his mama died. His daddy faced the local press and said, God knows you'll never know what a kid's going to do. His daddy went on to say that he he, he thinks he bought the pistol legally at a local pawn shop then Paul Rodney Tucker lives around the corner said well I knew he lived at that house because there was constant trouble there he heard gunshots target practice and he said I told my dad it was a semi-automatic pistol bam 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 it wasn't firecrackers The daddy was said to be a nice guy, just an old man, minds his business. The horror of it all. Like I said, I I, I sent a message to Joy in Ann Arbor just because, well, dear friend up in Michigan... 
She said, my best friend's daughter's finishing her degree at MSU and lives in an apartment complex next to the campus. They were on the phone all together, together all night long. The kids were terrified. Some of Joy's younger friends attend there, too. She said, I was worried about them, too, just sick as hell. And we're never going to do anything about it. There are some hard truths I've been forcing myself to accept lately. It's not fun, but reality is all that matters. The only thing upon which one can base decisions. Precious finite time, yes, indeed. I can't waste my worry on things that will not change in this world. I'll find some places where I can make a bit of a difference. Life is so short, and made shorter by guns. At any moment. And that is life in a combat zone. It is indeed. It is indeed. So, with a little more than, a little less than 45 minutes to go in the program, if we could raise 56 bucks, at least we would not have a prayer meeting Wednesday $1,000 fundraising hold. And that would be, that would be amazing. Sorry to keep pressing, but it is. It's, it's how we do not do this program with Buy Gold Now ads, even if they would buy them from us. We're the wrong politics for the Buy Gold Now ad crowd. I guess this is our wokeism check-in. I am so sick of that. I'm not sick of the. I'm not sick of the word. I'm not sick of the concept. I am sick of the inherent mockery that rides on the idea of wokeism, like there's some church of wokeism. Anytime you put ism on the end of a word, it's going to be trouble, and most of the time that happens. It's a. I mean, did we ever say maggotism? Maybe some people use Trumpism. But it was apparently Conniption Tuesday in the White House press briefing room, and for some reason or another, they actually let one of the goons from Newsmuck in, a dude by the name of James Rosen, who, with, for instance, the news of a brand-new horror in America's abattoir, America's shooting gallery, with questions flying around the nation about whether or not these were even balloons. Now, I swear to God that, that we found out that it took two shots to bring down the one that landed in Lake Huron. The F-22 pilot missed the first time through. And that it may not have been a balloon. They don't know what it was made of. They haven't recovered the, the, they haven't recovered the, the, the debris yet. And and now the Pentagon is saying, you know, because you have to say this to the American people. Uh, now, listen, um, we're pretty certain these are not um, these the, these are not alien uh, uh, craft. These are these are. Uh, they may be benign, okay? We don't know who they were. We don't know. It may have been commercial, but they're, 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 
that we think they're benign and we don't think they're aliens from Norblap 9. So we got that going on. We've got the opening of a new offensive in Ukraine. And those brave souls hanging on for all they're worth against the relentless onslaught of Vlad Pudi. So naturally, James Rosen of Newsmuck is going to bring the really hard-hitting questions of the day for Corinne Jean-Pierre. Thank you. Um, I have two questions. Uh, And one of the benefits of asking questions this late in the briefing is that you don't have to be concerned with advancing the story incrementally of the day. You can just ask about sort of broader things. So with that in mind, first on the communications team uh, and then on the so-called culture wars, um, where the president's communications are concerned, and I'm asking you because you work on his communications team and you're a professional communicator, um, there is obviously Skip a, a bit, brother. settings the president can employ, set pieces, impromptu remarks, teleprompter, no teleprompter, etc., etc. Is it the view of the president's communications team that he is equally adept in all settings in terms of communications, or are there some huh? that played a greater strength, some where he probably isn't as strong, etc.? I will tell you this, the president is the best communicator that we have in the White House. Go ahead, okay. go ahead. The right question here. was on the so-called okay. culture wars, if you would. I appreciate it. Sure. Um, one of the most prominent themes that we hear from both elected Republicans and, and candidates um, has to do with uh, what is called wokeism. Um, and Passive voice. An Hold the hell on. Wait a minute. And what is called, you can hear the dot, 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 wokeism. Well, there's only there's only one side of this discussion, if we can even honor it with that term, that uses the term wokeism. The left, the Democrats, the progressives, the anarcho-syndicalists, you know, whatever. Yeah, the extreme left wing, like the radical left, like Tommy the Potato was talking about. None of them use the term wokeism. Just like back in the day, there were no people who actually had even a fundamental understanding of, 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 of reproductive health who made reference to partial birth abortion. We went over that earlier. Oh, I miss my reverb sometimes. What it, but he uses the passive voice because that's a tell. That's a tell when you are shoveling some serious bullshit. So, back to the clip. This entire subject reminds me of what Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart once said about obscenity, that he couldn't define it, but he knew it when he saw it. So, he just, wait, this James Rosen clown, where's your big red red nose, dumbass? Uh, Just equated wokeism to obscenity. Oh, I'm sure they're playing this in heavy rotation over on Newsmuck. Wokeism is obscene! Uh, And so we hear so much talk about woke capitalism, a woke military, and so on. And by way of trying to clarify that... He needs to get out more. ...for the American people, I wonder if we couldn't begin with a threshold question, to wit, 
is President Biden woke? So let me tell you. Okay. I feel so sorry for that poor woman. She's got an extremely difficult job. She has to deal with morans on a, on a daily basis. The titanic intellect is just floating all around her. And she gets a monumentally stupid question like this. And somehow she must maintain her composure. You try it sometime. Hell, I just run the clips here and I can't maintain my composure. Um, what the president cares about and what's important to this president. The president doesn't, doesn't concern himself about what Republicans are trying to do in creating political stunts, in making an issue uh, out of the things that they feel benefits them politically, not the American people, not what matters to the American people, but what benefits them politically for their own, uh, for their own ability to move forward. What the president cares about is exactly what I just talked about and what he talked about at the legislative conference, which is how are we going to continue to deliver for the American people? You heard him say that at the State of the Union. You heard him talk about how the economy has grown the last two years, the progress that we have made. Wow, this is a really classy way of saying you're a fuckwit. You're a dumbass. And guess what? He wants to continue that progress. He wants to continue to move forward to make sure that we lower the deficit, which he did the first two years by $1.7 trillion, and be fiscally responsible. But he's, but he's, but he wants to work with Republicans on how we are going to continue to deliver, how we are going to build on the economic progress that we're seeing. That's not what they want to do. What they want to do is they want to cut Social Security. What they want to do is they want to cut Medicare, and they want to take us back and not actually deal with issues that matter to the American people. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you're an American out there and you hear your congressional member talking about how they want to cut Social Security, talking about how they want to cut Medicare, something that you have worked very hard for many, many years and paid into so you can get those programs. But yet that Republican senator who we've been talking about from Florida has continued to talk about how they want to sunset these these uh, uh, these programs. That's not what we're about. We're about fighting for these uh, for these programs, and that's what you're going to see from the president, and that's what he cares about. Go ahead. Thank you very much. I have a follow-up. <laughs> Thank you very much. Goodbye. Because James Rosen wanted to keep, I don't know, churning the file. But is he woke? It's pathetic. It's so transparently stupid. But again, what did I say earlier in the program? We have an we have an IQ problem in this country. Yeah, Marveline, is he woke? I think he's woke. But she handled that with such grace and aplomb. I'm proud of her. Oh, should I save that? For, I should. I should save that for prayer meeting Wednesday. Let's do that. Oh, this is along the same lines, though. Rafaelito Eduardo Cruz. 
had a hissy today. The man who gave us a perverse version of green eggs and ham. Well, uh, Gigi Sohn has been nominated by President Biden for a position on the FCC. And so she appeared for her confirmation before the Senate Commerce Committee. She was nominated in October 2021. This is the third time she's had a hearing over it. Because I guess she did things that mostly, well... What is the real story of January 6th? Many people have asked... Never mind. Didn't mean to run that audio. Uh, she had some rather pointed things to say about the way January 6th was covered. And Raffaellito had a hissy. Raffaellito asked her, does... Does the FCC have a duty to defend democracy? And she said, yeah, sure. And the tweet that he was referring to said, uh, uh, Gigi Sohn had written in September 2019, I agree with the scrutiny of big tech is, is essential as scrutiny of big telecom, cable, and media. And trust me, the latter have played their own role in destroying democracy and electing autocrats, like, say, Fox News. Because she called out Fox News. You see why millions of people don't think you're a fair and impartial to regulate communications? Suddenly, Rafaelito Eduardo Cruz, the anointed booger and future king of America, is in touch with millions of Americans. She went on and said, I regretted the tone of that. But added, you know, they were very, very, very close to the Trump administration, Fox was. That leads the question uh, to the question, well, is the Biden administration close to MSNBC? Surprised he didn't say NPR. And he said, well, I listen to National Public Radio. I don't watch CNN or MSNBC. That had to hurt. But it really, it, it probably tickled them pink there uh, at the NPR building in D.C., not far from the Harris Teeter grocery store I used to go to. It just goes on and on and on. And there they are again. Thomas Massey of Kentucky Stan with one of the classic Republican fetish objects 
Today, uh, he reintroduced a bill in the 118th Congress, tweeting ever so proudly, I've introduced a bill to terminate the Department of Education. There is no constitutional authority for this federal bureaucracy to exist. Back in 2021, when he introduced it to pers- uh, again, he said, Unelected bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. should not be in charge of our children's intellectual and moral development. Schools and states and local communities are best positioned to shape curri- cur- curri- classes that meet the needs of their students. Schools should be accountable. Parents have the right to choose the most appropriate educational opportunity for their children, including homeschool, public school, or private school. You know, preferably a private school with public money is going to support that graft. The bill has been co-sponsored by, well, of course, Andy Biggs, Lauren Bobblehead Boobert, Dan Bishop, and Chip Roy of Dribbling Dick, Texas. God. This has been a Republican fetish object in the Republican National Party platform God, when was it not? They're teaching communism in our schools. I have no idea what communism is, but I know that they are teaching it as part of their wokest critical race theory gender. And going back to uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, Ralph said, to me that question sounded like word salad. It was... And the leafy greens were poison ivy, Ralphs. They were. And then back to Nikki Haley, uh, Clarence in South Carolina, Stan says, uh, uh, she should get ready for her wake-up call. I wonder if she's familiar with the history of Alan Keyes and Herman Cain. Her tone will be a problem, and I'm not talking about her talking. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah, Clarence, but she's trying to position herself as one of the good ones. And it didn't, uh, Nikki announcing didn't go over too well with uh, Whoopi Goldberg. She played clips from Nimrata's campaign ad and then said, so, Nikki, you know, since you've been asleep all this time and you just woke up, you're just finding out that there are things about our country that are not perfect. And for us to pretend that it is, that it is and that nothing happened is ridiculous, so you're not saying anything new. And you, of all people, should know better because you used to actually have some sanity and knew right from wrong, and then you lost your mind, and 
went in some new direction. So don't do that. And Nikki then decided to get into it with Whoopi on social media. Here we go again with Whoopi. The thought of me running for president makes the liberals' heads explode. I wonder why. No, uh, let me let me check. No, my head's fine, Imrata. Because I have not been hoodooed into thinking that I'm talking to the president of Poland while actually on the air live with the Mo- Moscow Morning Zoo Crew 97.7 The Vulgar Boatman Show. That's that's not a fight you can. That's not with Whoopi. No, that's not a fight you can win, Sugar. Uh uh-uh. uh. Let's see. Yeah, what's this? Spotify and Joe Rogaine may be splitting up. Uh, his contract is running out. Yeah, I'm sure he'll find, so soft, find a soft place to land. By the way, um, I just happened to stumble across it last night. There's a new comedy special from Mark Marin. And if, if you're not familiar with Mark Maron, you know, brilliant guy, funny guy. But it was trenchant. He's not, he's not so much belly laugh funny as he's thoughtfully funny. And the first thing that came to mind as I was watching the opening of the program is that without actually saying so, he did a perfect send-up of people like Joe Rogaine and um, little Benji Shapiro and Matt Walsh and most of them, and a lot of those other clowns uh, with this repeated gag of they won't let us say the, the words we want to say because I'm not a woke comedian. And he really worked that to good effect. Uh, <laughs> who who would have known? Uh, Ralphs tells me Thomas Massey has a master's degree from MIT. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of sciencey stuff going on there. Sometimes you huff some fumes, and well, there you go. From the Department of Woke, probably the single greatest purveyor of the horseshit of wokeism is, and it's no surprise, Ron Monkey Up DeClantis, the man who won his first gubernatorial election in the state of Florida with the help of real live actual no kidding Nazis. I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. And so he's out barking and grunting and thinking that he's going to 
get all presidential by running further to the right. Florida is where woke goes to die. And for yeah, it's also apparently where education and AP uh, African American history go to die. These people. But when it comes to not having much in the way of content, I mentioned last week that I think that Dan Goldman, a freshman member of the House from New York, was put on House Judiciary for a very good reason, and that was to make Jim Jacketoff Jordan hate his life for the next two years. We have further evidence. Jim Jacketoff Jordan has, of course, uh, over the course of months and months and months, been barking and grunting and hooting about the dozens and dozens of whistleblowers who have been beating down the office door of Jim Jacketoff Jordan to tell him about all the federal government weaponizing that's targeting the poor, the poor little conservatives. You know, the ones with the, the, the multi-million dollar, billion dollars worth of think tanks. The only problem is they keep repeating it the same way that uh, Joseph McCarthy said, in my hand here, I have a folder filled with names of communists in the United States Department of State. The folder was empty. But nobody was much interested in that. They were scared of the commies, and, well, we've got to do something about the commies, so we had us a witch hunt, a real one. So Jim Jacketoff Jordan has been dozens, hundreds, thousands, tens of millions of Department of Justice employees, whistleblowers, whistleblowers, I'm telling you. And they've weaponized the federal government. And so they had a hearing. And Representative Goldman said, uh, Mr. Chairman, can I have a point of order? There's been a lot of mention of information and testimony that you all have received from whistleblowers. Where, when, when are you planning on providing that to the minority? And Jim Jacketoff Jordan, who's, uh, well, whose law degree uh, can probably be found when you unwrap a package of bazooka bubblegum, uh, whereas Dan Goldman, well, Different story. Oh, uh, you, you could have been for the very first deposition, or excuse me, transcribed interview of the whistleblower. I was there when he testified on Tuesday. Golden. Okay, that's fine. I assume you'll turn those over. But what about you talk about dozens of whistleblowers? When are we going to get that information? Uh, when they testify. When we work with, I'll work with the ranking member on that. You don't have any transcriptions of their interviews? Oh, we have the first ones, and we have the dozens who've come and talked to our office. They talk to your office privately? They talk to Republican staff, right? And they're not transcribed? No notes? No nothing? First one happened Tuesday. No, 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 I'm not talking about the first one. First one happened Tuesday. Next one happens tomorrow. The third one happens next Wednesday, and we'll continue to do that. Um, you just said dozens. 
Do you have notes from those? Or are they just talking to your staff? And one of the members says, oh, Mr. Chairman, isn't that how whistleblowers typically work? Ah, well, it's how they're supposed to work. It's it's not how they work in the impeachment that Mr. Goldman was part of when Mr. Schiff said he didn't have contact with the whistleblower. Goldman. Actually, it worked exactly appropriately until Mr. Trump would not allow... We're doing it the way we're supposed to do it, Mr. Goldman! Uh, No, you're supposed to turn it over to the minority. When they come and testify, you'll have access to the transcripts like everyone on the committee will. Uh, you mean your staff is not going to turn it over to our staff? We're just in the dark? No, and the transcript's done. You'll get the transcript. No, I mean the dozens of whistleblowers you've already talked to that came to talk to your staff. What do you want me to turn over there? Their names? Their names? Notes? Did anyone take notes? I'll be happy to talk with the ranking member on how we handle that information. Thank you. All I'm telling you, we'll schedule each for a deposition, and we're doing that. You didn't show up for the first one, but could have been there. Um, on the other hand, one of the, uh, another one of the amazing members of, of, of the uh, committee, uh, David Sicoline, uh, he was there for the interview with the first <clears throat> alleged <clears throat> whistleblower. I mean, it's going to be a circus. Little teeny tiny clown cars with lots and lots of clowns coming out. Uh, whoopee cushions, joy buzzers. Uh, little 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 spring fake snakes shooting out of cans that claim to be mixed nuts. and <sighs> Balloons for the kids. Not balloons. Jesus, no balloons, please. You know, it would have been fun last week if while Marginal Trailer Queen was prancing down the halls of Congress with her white balloon, if somebody would have, like, I don't know, zipped a little drone up with a little 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 pin on it and just pop. Nah, but then Lauren Boebert would have, would have broke loose with her AR-15 and it would have been a mess. And on the ongoing list of things that things that make the maggots go ah, a little Valentine's Day something, mm-hmm. a little something. Doctor Jill Biden made a point of recognizing Valentine's Day. And so, out on the lawn, there was a sign, a Valentine's Day heart. And it bore the message, Reach out with open hearts and helping hands this Valentine's Day. With a pair of palm prints in the word letters 2023. There's another heart with more little palm prints and a little kitty cat with a little heart-shaped collar on and I've just described to you everything that I can see in that sign 
She had a bedazzled jacket on that said love, as opposed to I really don't care, do you? And she put up a sweet little message on her Twitter page. This Valentine's Day, I hope you reach out to each other with open hearts and helping hands. And a picture of the sign. And there's a doggy and a kitty by the heart. The handprints were those of children of military parents from the uh, from Fort Drum, New York. She had recently visited up there in support of a concept called joining forces to support military families. Again, this is the whole thing. And the maggots are losing their minds. And over on Twitter, it's just a shitstorm of butt-hurt maggots hopping up and down and grunting and howling and barking. Because they get mad at everything. Because they're, they're, they're infants. My nine-month-old granddaughter is working on her first word. She's got a really good start. She's got several teeth now. Not walking yet. Pretty well ready, ready to ready to take off and do some serious crawling. She's got better manners than the average grown-up maggot. She understands love and she understands compassion. The maggots. Ah, not so much. The maggots understand fury. The maggots understand butthurt. The maggots are definitely down with the Biden crime family. It's, it's pathetic. And then I guess just to wrap things up this evening, a, a, a dispatch from the Politics is Make Strange Bedfellows Department. A state senator in New Jersey who has apparently been in the New Jersey legislature since God was a baby and Jesus was a cor- Christ was a corporal in the army of God a fellow by the name of Samuel Thompson, a former general a stalwart supporter of Nitwit Nero, uh, it, who uh, praised him effusively. Well, the Associated Press interviewed uh, Senator Thompson, who's 87 years old, and he said, "I'm leaving the Republican Party. The Republican Party didn't leave me." Or I didn't leave the Republican Party. The Republican Party left me. Left. It gets confusing because I'm so used to hearing rednecks in the South say, "Well, I didn't leave the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party left me." 
Well, he said the same thing only about Republicans. I didn't leave the Republican Party. The Republican Party left me. Because the Republican leadership, even though he had been a stalwart maggot, decided that he was too old to serve in the legislature anymore at the tender age of 87. Thompson went on to say, It's my life. It gives me something to do every day when I wake up to get there and help people. The alternative is sit at home and just wait to die. I have to be active. I think I'm doing a public service. And so Phil Murphy, the Democratic governor of New Jersey, said that Thompson is a tireless public servant and welcomed him to the big tent that is the Democratic Party. Uh, GOP state senator and Republican chairman Bob Rob Ben-Gavenga said, Although I consider Thompson a friend and mentor and wouldn't be part of the party's future, leaders decided to support another candidate for the state senate. I was hoping the senator would... I know, wrong accent. ...embrace it and work together as mentor and advisor for the years to come. Thompson, meanwhile, said the betrayal by so many of my friends. That was too much for me. I'm not leaving my party. My party leadership has left me. So he's going to run for re-election later this year. And, well, that means that Democrats control 25 of the 40 seats in the New Jersey Senate. Somebody did finally get around to asking him, well, you know, what about all that Trump business? And he said, everybody's entitled to their own choices and what they're going to do. Okay. Maybe he, it's hard to tell with these people. Some Trumpism, oh, I did it, didn't I? I just did it. Some Trumpism, wokeism. Some Trumpism is a matter of political expedience, if not political survival. That's why you see people like the weaker speaker who called on January 6, 2021, called Nitwit Nero and said, these are your people, get them the hell out of the Capitol right damn now. And two days later was on his knees engaging, I guess, in a fetish that the weaker speaker has for orange toes. So that's the program. Thanks everybody for joining in. Uh, th- thanks so much for meeting the meeting the challenge and getting us down to well tomorrow. Um, barring barring something great happening overnight with the overnight crew, we will be at one thousand and fifty five dollars. So basically, Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday. And then $155 of Thursday. But we're, we're, make, we're making up ground. We are. Still feel bad about missing on Friday. But thanks. 
Thanks to our PayPal and Patreon subscribers. Thanks to our a la carte contributors. Thank you so much. Thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious, finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. I was remiss in not greeting the chat room this evening at the beginning of the program. Thanks for being there, Sparky. And uh, hey, Polly and Irish Dave and Squeaky and Anatole, thanks for being there for the chat. Thank you, Pinch Hit Midweek Chat Room Utility Moderator and all-around great guy, Brother Bishop Steve, for being there. Thanks a bunch. Thanks to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember, and I, Brother Deacon, please remind me to do this during the program once in a while. Please like and subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast. We can bring new friends, new colleagues, new comrades into this long-running, uh, long-running conversation, and it's as easy as liking and subscribing to the podcast and leaving a comment for the algorithm to notice that people are actually paying attention and telling your friends and neighbors on social media, this is unlike anything that's going on anywhere else. It is. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net, 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia, and a proud union shop for a year and more now. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Get your flu shot. Wipe down your surfaces. Help stop the spread of RSV, especially to little people. Wear your mask because the maggots are still out there and they're barking and grunting and coughing and hacking and not giving a damn anywhere, anyhow. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, use your hand sanitizer. Maintain your social distance 15 to 20 feet, like Paul from Parts Unknown says. And Well, if, 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 some, if some terribly, terribly self-impressed jackass from Newsmuck happens to come towards you. Do you think President Bowden, Biden's woke? Bowden's white? I, I work for Newsmuck. Avoid... Oh, avoid that right wing. Like the plague. Because he is. And always, always, always. Gina, it's all for you. Oh, Darlene, sorry about the Connecticut thing and Thanks for your forbearance, Charlene. Later.